Chapter twenty seven of Carpenter's World Travels Alaska, Our Northern Wonderland by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter twenty seven Among the Eskimos. I saw my first Eskimos along the lower Yukon. I met them again on the island of St. Michael, and I find them here on the Seward Peninsula, where there are said to be thirty five hundred many people think that most of our eskimos live along the coast of the arctic ocean this is not true four-fifths of them are to be found south of the arctic circle and the majority of them live on the coastal plains sloping down to bering sea there are many eskimos in the deltas of the kuskokwim and yukon rivers and their settlements are to be found also on the alaskan peninsula so much has been published about the eskimos one might think them an important part of the human race as a matter of fact they number all told not more than thirty thousand and of these only ten or fifteen thousand live in alaska there are a few thousand in greenland some of whom are civilized a few in labrador also civilized and a greater number scattered through the northern part of the canadian dominion from hudson bay to the mouth of the mackenzie river there are also a few in siberia but nowhere are they of any importance except as a racial curiosity and in a small way as trappers of furs for the world's markets the eskimos have a style of dress all their own but many of them especially in the towns wear much the same kind of clothing as the whites many of the women wear blouse-like parkas of calico trimmed with fur and hoods of cloth fringed with wolverine which stands out from their faces this is the most popular fur for parkas because in winter the breath does not freeze into icicles upon it as on other furs the parka comes down over trousers tucked into long boots or mukluks of hide no matter what their dress it is easy to tell the eskimos their faces are mongolian in type i have seen many just like them in my travels through siberia and along the great wall in north china the eskimos eyes slant like those of the people of the desert of gobi and their faces are of the same bronze or copper color they are lighter than the north american indians but they have the same high cheekbones their flat faces are square rather than long with little fat noses the young men and women have rosy cheeks and their lips are bright red most of the elderly women have tattooed stripes extending vertically from the lower lip down the chin to indicate that they are married and now and then you see a man with a cuff button of bone thrust through the flesh near the edge of his mouth the gnome eskimos have black eyes and jet black hair which the women wear in long braids down their backs these people have a friendly honest look they are full of fun and it takes but little to bring out a smile they are naturally intelligent and good traders i wish i could show you the eskimo babies they are the brightest sweetest and i might add the dirtiest little pieces of human clay that i have yet met within my travels over the world they are full of fun and romp about mimicking their fathers and mothers and everybody else most of them are dressed in furs and some look like large fuzzy balls as their parents have a superstition that if the children be photographed their souls will be under the control of the photographer even though he be far away they run from the camera it required considerable coaxing for me to get my eskimo children's photographs and i was able to succeed only by pointing the camera in another direction and then turning quickly and making the snapshot before they understood they were being taken 
another eskimo superstition is the belief that in every child is the soul of one of its ancestors therefore they will never punish their children for fear of insulting some respected great-grandfather or mother a story is told in nome of an eskimo whose son was rather severely thrashed by a teacher at one of the government schools the father promptly shot the schoolmaster then a tribal council was called to see what was to be done for the eskimos knew the man would be punished by the united states by the decision of the council the murderer was made to dig his own grave and then he chose his nephew to shoot him as he stood beside it many of the natives now speak english and their children go to the government schools twenty-one schools are maintained on the seward peninsula and about eight hundred eskimo children attend them some of them have good minds and many reach a high proficiency in reading and writing one of the little girls recently went from here to plattsburgh new york where she entered the fifth grade in a class below her in the same eskimo school here in alaska were two boys one a full-blooded eskimo and the other the son of a white man the white boy who had been to school in the states thought he could easily beat the native at the end of the first week the eskimo was at the head of the class a place he held throughout the year that boy studied arithmetic including percentage interest commission freight and profit and loss he could calculate the cost of whalebone from the time it came from the whale until it was turned into goods and brought back to alaska these people are always smiling or laughing they sing and seem to be fond of music and dancing i went last night to one of their dances held in an old schoolhouse not far from the eskimo section of nome the schoolhouse had but one room about thirty feet square it was walled with windows and the light of the midnight sun made the interior as bright as day on a bench under the windows sat the musicians eight eskimos dressed in native costume and the room was filled with dancers the music came from drums like tambourines each consisting of a hoop as big around as a dishpan over which skin was tightly stretched each man pounded his drum with a little white rod the length of a walking stick some of the drums were larger than others and the eight musicians produced all the notes of the octave they sang as they played and kept perfect time the first dance was by five sturdy young men clad in long skin boots and trousers and shirts all wore gloves of skin or fur and all were bareheaded the dancing was largely a series of postures the men stamped the floor they sprang into the air they swung their arms this way and that keeping time to the music they sang the while in loud raucous tones their voices changing in expression according to the story of the song now they seemed angry as though singing of war and again laughing when the tale was comic much of the dancing was like that of russia and one or two of the dancers were natives of siberia later women and girls entered the dance and at one time a young woman with a baby on her back stood in the center and led the fun i cannot describe the enthusiasm of the eskimo onlookers around the walls standing up or sitting on their heels were scores of these copper-skinned people their slanting eyes ashine and their hands clapping as they lost themselves in the music the crowd was more appreciative than any i have ever seen at a concert or dance in the states after the dancing was over we went outside the schoolhouse for an exhibition of blanket tossing twenty or thirty of the natives surrounded a tanned walrus hide about ten feet square 
holding it low with their hands then an eskimo boy jumped into the middle of the hide he stood upon his feet and at a word they jerked the hide taut sending him up into the air as he fell they came closer together and then again threw themselves back tossing him higher and higher and continuing to do so as long as he could keep his feet later an eskimo girl took the boy's place and then one or two of the strangers stepped on the hide and were tossed to the sky amid the hilarity of their eskimo friends we took up a collection distributing the proceeds among the performers the day has long gone by when the eskimos will give a polar bear skin or a bale of fox skins for a fish hook they now know the value of their furs and bring them to the best markets the other day the king of the diomede islands in bering strait midway between north america and asia brought the annual fur catch of his people here to nome for sale the furs consisted of the skins of fox polar bear and other animals worth several thousands of dollars i watched the sale which was held in the hotel billiard room the skins were spread out over the tables and the old chief clad all in furs sat half doubled up in a chair smoking an eskimo pipe accepting or rejecting the bids his face was seamed with wrinkles as though with tattooing and he reminded me of the maori chiefs i have seen in new zealand his skin was dark brown but his bristly hair was as white as the fur of his polar fox skins they told me he was honest and much respected they said he was wealthy from an eskimo standpoint being worth perhaps as much as ten thousand dollars and owning a schooner that cost him three thousand dollars the eskimos about nome make their living by fishing and hunting and selling ivory carvings i am surprised at the exquisite workmanship on the curios they bring to the hotels to sell to the tourists they use the tusks of the walrus carving upon them images of men bears seals and wolves they make cribbage boards of these tusks and paper knives and handles for canes and umbrellas a very large walrus tusk was recently carved and sent to the president of the united states among the carvings sold are some of mammoth ivory from the tusks of prehistoric animals which roamed siberia and alaska thousands of years ago i have seen many such tusks since i came to this part of the world they have been unearthed along the klondike river and are to be seen in dawson and fairbanks either preserved indoors or standing against buildings out in the open at a mining camp outside a miner's cabin on the north fork of the klondike i found one as thick through as my leg all of the eskimo carving today is done with steel tools but there is work in existence that dates back to the stone age the older eskimos say that their ancestors used tools of flint and it is known that they have been carving ivory for many generations some of the very poorest of them and those that live in the most out-of-the-way places are noted for their fine work they seem to do it for pastime and make many toys and dolls for their children they have a way of softening the bone horn or ivory before they work it to make the carvings more distinct they etch lines on the surface with a black paint made of a mixture of gunpowder and blood this when put on the freshly cut bone makes a permanent stain the eskimos are rapidly changing they live differently from those described in most books of arctic travel on the seward peninsula they have houses of wood and skin and the snow house is comparatively unknown except in the heart of winter 
some of their winter houses are cellars four or five feet deep and twenty or twenty-five feet square poles of driftwood are laid about the cellar to heighten the walls and timbers are placed across the top then dirt and sod are piled around the hole until they have what looks like a great mound of earth in the center of the top is an opening about as large as the page of a newspaper across which is stretched a sheet of seal or walrus bladder to give light to the house below the house is entered by a tunnel connected with a shaft or well six or seven feet deep in which is a ladder around the walls of the living room is a platform which is the sleeping place of the family such houses are so warm that the eskimos often go almost naked while indoors the dwellings are dark badly ventilated and often infested with vermin some of the eskimos near the white settlements are changing the style of their architecture they are building homes above ground buying window sash and glass panes and doors like ours many of them are now using cook stoves in place of the old seal oil lamps and the white traders tell me that the eskimo women are learning to cook they bake an excellent bread with the aid of yeast made from hops which they buy at the store these traders laugh at the story so often published of a tallow candle being the stick candy of the eskimo boy they say the natives are fond of fat but that their chief use of it is in connection with other foods i asked one of these traders to tell me what goods he sold to the eskimos he replied everything under the sun the staples are sugar and flour especially sugar they like sweets and one eskimo will eat more sugar than a whole family of whites we sell them all sorts of canned goods such as peaches apricots jams and preserves of late they have been buying clothes including underwear and socks they even buy thermos bottles to take along with them on their sealing trips they want steel fish hooks and the best of guns the eskimo knows a good rifle he usually buys a repeater and will pay a good price for it end of chapter twenty seven